Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, episode 23, Disco Ain't Dead. That's hey, right, Sanjeev. It's it's 2019. We're gonna get into 2020. Uh, disco died a long time ago. Disco what, what are you talking dead. about? What do you what mean? You disco isn't dead. What? Just because well, you and I listen to disco doesn't mean it's alive. We're like the only two. Well, uh, I think a major corporation called Timex would disagree with you, Sanch. And the Timex Q, uh, specifically the Falcon Eye, is why we named this episode "Disco Ain't Dead." Uh, are you familiar? Are, are you, we've talked about the Timex Q, right? The Pepsi. Yes, we did. I think we mentioned it in one of our previous episodes. So this is pretty much a follow-up to that Timex Q uh, Pepsi. And it's it's dubbed the Falcon Eye. Um, it's it's much anticipated. It was it kind of came out of nowhere, uh, but people just went apeshit when uh, it got released. Uh, it's basically a, another re-release from the Q line, historic line. Uh, it's a 1978 design. And when you look at this watch, it just screams vintage, right? It's got that domed acrylic crystal, which everything from this, you know, the moon, uh, the moon watches from that era to, you know, all the little skin divers, they all had this acrylic crystal that's just screams 1970s. And when you look at the watch itself, right, it's got those raised hour markers. Yeah, that's, I see that. Yep. Do you see that? And that's a big step up from the old, the previous Timex Q, the Pepsi which is just a printed flat dial. So, yeah. you know, it's a big step up. It's a big improvement. It's, it's definitely something unanticipated from Timex for that price range for me. I, I'm, I was really surprised yeah. to see that. I mean, um, a lot of watches, I mean, I, I don't have any facts to back me up, but uh, one of the design motifs, yeah, of course, uh, the, one of the motifs for like the 70s era watches, you know, and I guess when it came to the dressy watches, I guess, um, were these raised indices, right? He's applied indices. Yeah. I mean, the Speedmaster that Neil Armstrong wore had the Omega symbol applied. It's not printed, which is ironic yes. because the current Speedmasters have a full printed, you know, Omega symbol and lettering. Um, but yeah, back, back in the 70s, it's not very uncommon. And this watch just screams 70s all around. It's two-tone. Um, it's got gold in the crown. The edge of the dial is actually in, in gold as well. Uh, gold, yeah. you know, gold plate. Uh, gold coloring, whatever. Uh, in, and each of the hour markers has that gold coloring as well. And the dial color, it's not just a flat blue, right? It's a rich blue. And I, and, and I don't know, Sanj, I don't know how you would describe it. It's kind of sunbursty, but it's not a sunburst from the middle of the dial. It looks like you're looking at the sunburst from like either... Right it looks left. like a like a like a wave pattern when you're looking from, you know, yes. a bird's eye view. Yes. Like a ripple, you know. Yes. It's, it's interesting. I'm not sure whether I dig that, though. I mean, it's something different. And um, the cool thing is it's kept that same uh, case design from the Pepsi. So you've got that battery compartment. Um, it, it just screams 1970s when you look at it. And then the, the band is actually, I don't know what you would call it. It's not beads of rice, but it, it's along the same line. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting setup, you know. It's got like mini like it looks like a chain in the middle and it's yeah. got and horizontal parts of it too. It looks complicated actually. 
Yeah, and it, you know, with the with the integrated lugs, I mean, this is really an artifact. You know, this is something our grandfathers might have worn, or our fathers might have worn, and I really dig it. And it's all for one hundred and seventy nine bucks. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good price. I mean, it's a damn good price. Yeah, you you get a lot of design features for that price. Yeah, it's it's a it's a vintage reissue for one hundred and seventy nine bucks real vintage callbacks. I mean, there's no reason for you to flush your money down the toilet with a Daniel Wellington or something like that. You know, this is a yes. great watch. And while we're talking about the Timex Q, um, the rumors of a time... So this is going to be... Uh, I think this is being released in time to come out. I think it's already available now. Okay, so this... The Falcon Eye is available now. The... The Timex Q Batman, or the Timex Batman, which was mm-hmm. uh, rumored, it came out on a French website. Um, so you know, you know, obviously take that with a grain of grain of, grain of uh, salt here. We're not sure what the source is, but it seems to. Do be you some... not trust the French? No, I trust the French. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We don't have a lot of listeners from France, so you know. Sure. It's fair play. <laughs> They're not listening to this. They're not listening anyway. No, it's not about that. It's just that it wasn't an industry source. So um, there is an automatic version of the Timex that's coming out. Uh, it's the Batman color scheme, the black and blue. Ooh, okay. And it's okay. automatic. So um, I, I think that's awesome. Rumor is it's to come out in time for Easter. Uh, and originally it was supposed to come out in January, but this uh, this has got updated to be coming out for Easter, and it'll be an automatic. So um, that's I think for watch, watch enthusiasts, I think that that's awesome. I think this is something yeah. very exciting. Um, I know the thing that kind of turned you off with this whole model is the fact that it's a quartz. Um, so you know, I don't well, know, would you, you know, consider if it's an automatic? I, I got to get out of my you know watch snob mentality and accept that you know. All forms of watches, you know, appreciate them more. God loves all children. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He loves you too, Tommy. That's he right. loves you too. Hard to believe, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I, what do you think? Sage? Well, what, yeah, I, I, it's thoughts? nice. I don't know. If, I don't know if I would buy it. I, it's one of those things that I would not buy. Me personally, I like. I'd rather spend it on other watches. However, to to I, I give Timex credit for going, you know, unapologetically seventies on this watch. You know, it's, the it's, case is very interesting. It's like integrated lugs. Integrated you know? lugs. It's highly polished and angular, which I think is, yeah. you know, for one hundred and seventy nine bucks, you're getting a whole lot of design here. And look exactly, at the class. Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're getting so much for that price. It's it's unbelievable. I yeah. I don't know how they do it. I mean. I have a good idea. It's probably assembled in Asia. It's a massive corporation. I get it, but still, it's uh, for that price. You're getting a lot, which I think is the other. Uh, the other funky, I guess, cool little nifty feature is the uh, the the case back um, to replace the battery. You know, it's got a dedicated you know a, a compartment. Let's just say, yeah, just like you can the unscrew. Timex Q. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's would a you cool callback? Yep. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're talking about it, but I mean, if you had 180 bucks to to spend on a watch, would this be on your top pick? You know, the problem is um, because of the watch addiction that you and I have, 
you kind of have to plan ahead when you buy a watch now because you have to keep in mind that any watch you buy is going to fight for wrist time, right? Yeah. So that's the problem. I mean, you know, what would I put down to wear this? But in itself, and that's not a fair thing to really consider, but in itself, I think it's it's a, a fantastic watch. I, I, I <laughs> more than the regular Pepsi, and I, I, the Timex Batman, fine. You know, I've seen the mock-up. It looks cool, but... Uh, the Falcon Eye, just it, something about it, just screams seventies, and I love it. And oh, it definitely screams seventies for sure. I love it. Yeah, and I'm I'm sporting yeah. a Freddie Mercury mustache right now. I'm all about the seventies. So I don't know if it's uh, Freddie Mercury, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> There's levels, you know. After Freddie Mercury is the British racing driver Nigel Mansell. You know, I'll take so. Mansell. I'm, I'm a Mansell. All right, guy. I'll give you Nigel Mansell. You know, <laughs> how about that? <laughs> All right. So, um, to finish off our Timex conversation for this episode, and it's Timex is not a brand we all, we talk a lot. No, about this this is actually kind of interesting because um, you wanted to talk about a Timex, and for some reason, I came across this one, which is also a Timex that I wanted to talk about. So. We could have made this honestly called it the Timex episode, but there's <laughs> other watches. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this one somehow, I guess, I, I don't know how this slipped under our radar, but it did. It's from Vars, I remember. But the one I'm going to talk about is the Timex Waterbury Classic uh, Automatic Watch. Um, so I think they, they, they released this back in Baselworld or didn't announce it. So it's been in the market for, you know, for retail and for a while, but I don't know how we missed this, but so Timex released the new collection, basically, um, basically named after the town of Waterbury, where Timex is from in Connecticut. And um, there's there's two styles of watches, the traditional and the classic. And, you know, there's four different combinations based on what kind of dial colors you want or not. But I'll start with the Waterbury classic. And that one is a bit more, to me, like a dressier style, a bit more um, simple, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you can get a different, three different dial combinations. So you can get a white dial with silver numerals, a black dial with white numerals, or like this brown aged dial looking thing. It looks with like full copper. Patina. It looks like copper. Yeah, no it's bronze, an interesting so. uh, dial color, which I actually have not really come across in a while like it's got like this aged look to it you know a block to watch calls it rose gold tone whatever that means yeah it's not rose I, gold but it's rose gold tone <laughs> yeah i have no idea how that is rose gold to me it from doesn't the look rose gold. yeah i don't know these guys must be smoking something yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm really salty after christmas what's wrong with me it's a great article. You saw your credit card bill <laughs> on, on all the things you spent for Christmas. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll do you one better. I saw my bank statement for from January till now and how much has come out of my account. It is mind-boggling. I am shocked. Oh, you're a homeowner. I don't want to buy another watch anymore. You're, you're a homeowner. It's, it's the money pit. You know, you're, you're oh, banks. <laughs> You seen that movie? Anyways, did you get that reference? Which one? The Money Pit with Tom Hanks. No, I don't actually. Him and his wife, they buy an old home. The home is basically a disaster. It's the Money Pit. It's great. Great movie. Highly recommend it. Very 80s. Gotcha. Okay, so back but to remember, Tom we're Hanks. talking about the 70s. We're talking about the 70s. Disco ain't dead. Whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> Anyways, back to the Timex. Um, the other cool thing about this watch is you can get it in different um, straps or bracelets. So you can either get a leather strap or this like mesh bracelet. Milanese, yeah. It's yeah, mesh Milanese, um, and it's an available in the case size of forty millimeters. Um, and it has, it's an automatic and it comes with a Miyota movement. I don't know the exact Miyota movement, to be honest. I tried looking around a little bit and they wouldn't say it, but it's got a 40 hour power reserve. But if you want something a bit more, I guess, I, I, I call it more technical looking, a bit more engineering field watch, perhaps, is the other part of the Waterbury collection. And that is the Waterbury traditional. So there comes in two flavors, which is a black dial or a white dial, and it comes with sword hands uh, with loom. And you can either get a metal strap, which kind of looks to me like a Patek Nautilus. It's got, you know, a polished links in the center with the brushed links on the outer part oh, of the bracelet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the black one and you can, is it's basically the same thing as well. Um, but so yeah, no, I, the hands, one's baton, one sword hand. Is that... Yeah. So the Waterbury classic has a different set of hands relative to the Waterbury traditional. So I prefer to me, I really think the Waterbury traditional, the one I call it the more technical looking one is, is a very killer looking simple three hander with a day with a date complication i think it looks fantastic well what are your thoughts um you know i i this is a miss for me bro it's very just kind of boring oh <laughs> there's, there's I, not a lot going on which would well, okay get so, on your wrist so. i you think this is this. an excellent everyday watch to be honest yeah but you have plenty of everyday watches well, I mean, I wear my watches every day. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> Another everyday watch. All right. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I, you know, what, what do you want me to do with this? Okay. So this is a complete miss for you. <laughs> I thought you would be excited. It's It just doesn't, do, I mean, you know. Give me a vintage throwback, you know. If you, you know, what do you, what do you want from me? I, I can't do this. Oh boy! Saltiness continues. It's, Anyways, it's let me. Let there me, just let isn't me, much going on. It's a simple three-hand watch. There's nothing much going on with the other one. Okay, well, it's got more seventy seventies looking features, but this is like a no-nonsense, simple watch. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you can you can do the. Uh, what's that guy from Public Enemy who's got a clock around his neck? You know, you, you could do that too. It's a simple three hundred. Uh, yeah, that's an everyday watch. Yeah, it's, it's a clock, watch. everyday clock. What's the difference? <laughs> All right. All right. So that was a miss. That's a Complete mess. Complete bust. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a good thing we didn't call this a Timex episode because we're clearly not doing that. <laughs> you're you're batting five hundred right now. Yeah. Timex. Uh, that's actually a good average. <laughs> it is for baseball. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sanch. What, what, what do you got next? You got to make up. All for right. That. All right. Let yeah. me. Let big me. Mess. Read- all right, let me redeem here with uh, something from Damasco. Ooh, okay. What do you got? So the one I'm going to cover is the Damasco DC-86 Central Menace Chronograph. Oh, okay. So what Damasco has done is they took the legendary Lamania 5100. Which, uh, the by movement. the way, 
I am still hunting for a Lamania fifty one hundred wristwatch. Okay. Well, this might get you. The, you should get the Damasco then. Uh, I, and I get okay. So tell me more about it. Well, okay. Well, you know Damasco is um, known for very more like a no nonsense uh, tool watch, kind of like a Zin. You know, they they don't go out with the very dressing. similar DNA. I, I agree. Yeah, very similar DNA. They don't go experiment with different like gold materials or. Anything like that. It serves a purpose. It's it's meant to do a job for those in the field yeah. who rely on a, on a a watch. And they're also well known for uh, researching into special materials that serve the purpose, like mm-hmm. especially their case designs. Um, they they do this thing called ice hardening, and they use nitrogen mm. um, to improve the strength of the case. And apparently, is much better than say other processes out there. Um, don't take. I, I, I don't want to go into details because I don't know exactly how it's done, but I, you know, take their word for it. Is this, do these guys use submarine steel? No, that's Sin, right? Sin uses that's the submarine Sin. steel. Yeah, they use the submarine steel. This, they use this ice-hardened stainless steel, which is extra scratch-resistant. Okay. It's better than applying a coating, I guess, um, or even surface hardening. Okay. So it's effectively scratch or even Everyone's like... Everyone's got to have a gimmick, yeah. 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 Yeah, but, you know, Damasco actually has been, you know, doing things like that. You know, they put their money into things that are more useful than having rose gold. You yeah, know? no, and, and sidebar, um, sorry to pause you, but um, Warren and Wound actually did a awesome video of visiting the Damasco factory. Um, I'd highly recommend anyone listening to check that video out. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting brand, and they're, they're, they seem to be really led by engineers and design. Not exactly. By, not by the bean counters. So yeah, and and you see through their design uh, DNA, you know, very similar to Zen. And um, yeah. so, anyways, they took the fifty one hundred movement and uh, I modified it to some degree, and uh, they applied it to their DC line. And um, it's got it's a three registers, and so it's got a central sweeping uh, seconds and minute hand, I guess, mm-hmm. and the uh, the 12-hour totalizer at 6 o'clock. So it's it's got some... I'm trying to read through the notes quickly here. So it's got a running seconds hand at 9 o'clock, a 24-hour indicator at 3 o'clock, and a 12-hour totalizer at 6 o'clock. Um, so it is also... You can get it in three flavors, which is a black dial. With, I, I don't know if they even use PVD coating or anything, but they ha- it comes in a black case. So, um, and you can also get a stainless steel or you can get a... Which one would you pick, Sanch? Well, let me finish. There's the black one with the green. <laughs> and so the six o'clock, the, the 12-hour totalizer is in uh, the registers in green. And the minutes and centrals, minutes and seconds hands is in green as well. And that is the one I would take. That is a really funky, like radioactive, incredible Hulk green. You would take that one? I would take that one. Well, see, if you go to Damasco, that's actually, they use that green a lot. Okay. Um, but there's a purpose to it. I mean, I, I, if I read it correctly, that is specifically for the chronograph. So you can directly look at it, if, okay. you know, if you're actually using this in the field. Yeah, I dig it. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, would, the you price... the, would you take the black case, the PVD case, or the stainless steel? Well, the the green comes only, I believe, in the black case. Okay. No, the, the the green also comes in the stainless steel. 
Oh, does it? Yeah. If you scroll down to the end of the Warren and Bond article, you'll see mock-ups of it and the stainless steel as well. Oh, right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, good so call. I think, good I think call. you have optionality there. So if you would, so knowing that, which one would you take? Would you take the stainless uh, steel? I'll still take the black. It looks so tactical. Really? Yeah. You know, for some reason, the PVD black case thing, it just goes right over my head. I'm just not into it. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, okay, whatever. I, I think it looks cool. A few whatever. episodes ago, a few episodes ago, you were all over the black case. What happened? Which one? I don't remember. I just remember talking to you about it. <sighs> a lot of accusations. All right. So, uh, yeah. I I based, I, my, I based these statements on, on things that have no facts I, or I, not factual based. I'm aware. um yeah no i think i think this is an awesome watch this is yeah it's a it's a relatively slightly um, larger watch it's at 43.3 millimeters i guess the dimensions right um it's a heavily modified again uh movement based on the 5100 so the price is yeah tell me three thousand nine hundred seventy seven dollars or about four thousand bucks in the grand scheme of things isn't terrible no, not at all. No, yeah, I, I, I think that's a good price. Um, no. I, um, I guess you know, just for background information, the reason I'm so into that Lamani 5100 movement is because I'm really into the Porsche Orfina, the Porsche design military watches. Um, I know Tutima did it, I know Sin did it, I need the Hoyer Pasadena, you know, those. That line of watches to me is very attractive, very eighties. Oh and yeah, I, I agree. Love those I, watches. Yeah, just I, for my first reason, watch that I really got into was was the Tutima Bund. I I love that watch. Yes, that's how this whole idea of a podcast started. It was basically <laughs> from the Bund obsessing over that watch. So yeah, this you were pestering me, yo. Let's you see this Tutima Bund. I'm like, it's the same picture in a different light. <laughs> Well, I mean, the case design is different. This is a much more modern case. But as far as the dial layout, it definitely gives me that vibe. And uh, I, I really like it. I think this is a great watch. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, it's a no-nonsense uh, service of purpose. You can literally throw this against the wall and nothing will happen, you know? Yeah. Don't do uh, it, but yeah. No, I mean, don't, don't do that with your $4,000 watch. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I think this is awesome. All right, Sanji, you redeemed. So I redeemed myself with this. Is this okay. is this is this is that what I'm hearing? You're, yes. you're satisfied. Yes, you're back in our good graces. Um, all right, very cool. I so the next watch we're we're going to talk about is actually one that um in the previous episode with uh, Zulu Alpha Straps, um, our friend Darren was actually wearing one of the watches. He's wearing the Dartmouth, and of course, I'm talking about the Christopher Ward uh, military collection. Um, basically, after Braemont, you know, Braemont has their own um, Her Majesty's Services uh, military collection of three watches for the various armed services in Britain. Uh, Christopher Ward has their competing collection. Um, they're all three hand watches. Um, so they've got three models the uh, Cranwell, which is the RAF model, the Dartmouth, which is the Royal Navy model, and the Sandhurst, which is the British Army model. Um, obviously, the names of the watches are the schools, I think, where the officers for each of the branches go. So um, that, that's a cool little naming convention there. And our friend Darren from Zulu Alpha actually has the Dartmouth because, he, you know, he was in the Royal Navy. Um, all the watches have that Salita SW200-1 movement. Uh, very, you know, I think it's just basically an ETA 2824 clone. Um, so, you know, bulletproof movement, uh, you know, no, nothing to worry about in that department. 
Um, and the cool thing is each of the models has um, the service insignia on the case back. So you've got some, you've got a unique case back for each model. Um, and, you know, just quickly to walk through each of them. So the Dartmouth is the blue one, the one that Darren has. That's the Royal Navy watch. You got that big white triangle at 12, very Omega Seamaster-ish. Uh, I was telling him this when we spoke. It reminds me of like a 68 Omega Seamaster, you know, with the big triangle. Um, I could definitely see that they took uh, the design cues from them. I'm not a huge fan of the long arrow hands. I don't know. What do you think, Sanch? I love the long air hands. It looks very cool. I would have preferred Maybe if, that, not... if that hour hand was more Seiko-ish, like what they did with the Marine Master 200. Yeah. You know, more of a the fatter, only thing shorter is, arrow. Yeah. 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 Like I wish if they did that with the short arrow, the hour hand, they should have done something similar with the second hand or the minute hand, sorry. Uh, yeah, a bit more triangular. To make yeah, it, the, it... the handset is not my favorite. I do love the dial layout. So, you know, for me, I think that that hits it. My favorite of the three is the Cranwell, which is the RAF. Watch. Really? Yeah. Uh, increments of five. It's it, you know it's on the dial. Uh, 45, 41 millimeter case. Um, it's supposed to kind of remind you of the um, what they call the six B dash slash three four six watches that JLC and IWC produced for the RAF back in the day. Um, big triangle at 12. It's got some patina there. You got thick baton hands. So the handset is different from the Dartmouth um, steel bracelet. I, I, I think that's that's the one I would go for. I, I, you I know what? Yeah. This is so wait, this is the what's the case size of this? Because it looks 41. a little bit 41. It doesn't look 41 to me. It looks it actually smaller. 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 I think it looks smaller. Yeah, I, I think it's the way the the dial versus the the bezel around it and with the with the mark with the markings it looks pretty small i think it's from really attractive and, and you've got that patina not just on the triangle at 12 but uh, little markers on 15 30 and 45 so yes and um I, the handset just works for me and i i love the bracelet i think i think that is like the perfect package yeah i mean they say the sandhurst is 38 millimeters which to me compared to the um the cranwell it doesn't look that much smaller it looks very similar at least the pictures i see i mean i have to see this in person obviously but yeah so speaking of sandhurst that's the field watch british army um, yeah small patina triangle at 12 red tip seconds hand if you noticed skinnier baton hands and it's a, i mean to me it kind of reminds me of the iwc mark 11 just a little bit yeah um attractive but i i, I still would take the cranwell i think the cranwell really is the, is the, the for me i would take the figure watch which one would you take the Dartmouth. Dartmouth. Oh, okay. You, you should look I think it's got a lot of uh, character to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, and I, I could see the Dartmouth be uh, a bit of a, stra a strap monster too. You know, you could, you yeah, could put that on a NATO very easily. Or Azula. Actually, all three of them. All three of them, I would think you can put them easily on a nice strap. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, uh, I, I think this is a very well thought out collection. All three watches are below $1,000. A lot, a lot more accessible than Bremont. Um, you know, you could definitely see service members actually pick this watch up versus, you know, three, four or five thousand dollars, whatever a brand yeah. service watch costs. Um, and I think they're they're simple but clean and they definitely have appropriate design cues to what they should uh, what they're hearkening back to. And yeah. uh, I, I'm I'm a big fan. I think I think Crystal Ward are really hit it out of the park and they've been on fire. I you know, whatever whatever they've been executing, they typically execute really well. 
I'm very impressed. The one other cool thing with the Dartmouth is, so all three watches, just before, you know, I get specific to Dartmouth, all three watches, as you mentioned, use the Salita SW200, right? But the one cool thing is these are COSC certified. Yes. Yes. And Darren mentioned that. Darren mentioned that. Yeah. You're getting a cost certified watch for about a thousand dollars, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, so the accuracy is definitely far more improved, you know, in keeping time. But the Dartmouth, going back to Dartmouth, so it's got like a dome crystal. But the other cool thing is every the the, the five minute markers, as especially the twelve o'clock, they yeah. all look like they're applied too, which is kind of a nice little design feature. Is that true? I'm looking at the picture. Um, from yeah, I do, see, I do see some like a, a 3D kind of effect on the markers. Yeah. Um, don't quote us on that, but it it may be true. Yeah, it looks, you know, it's another little design feature. And I guess you can get this in a blue strap or maybe it comes with a strap. Yeah, I, I think you have options for straps and I think you can get it on steel too, actually. Because yeah. the one in one article has it on steel somewhere. Uh, I think all three of them have some optionality on strap, so it's. I think it's it's very impressive. I, it's coming out. Uh, it was supposed to be out this past October, so it is out and available. Nice, yeah. Good, good discussion about this one. I really dig the collection. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think they really hit it out of the park. Uh, big fan. Good, fine, good, find. All right. So we talked about that. We're going to change things a little bit here and go back to our, you know, old favorite Seiko. It's been a while since we talked about Seiko. Maybe like what have we been talking about? uh, Zulu Alpha straps, you know, solid straps by Darren. um, A short. I I don't know. Talk Seiko in in months. Well, because last time we recorded a full podcast has been months. That's true. That's true. So what do you what do you got for us today? (laughs) That's mostly my fault, but you know, I'll 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 take. We're not pointing fingers, yeah. <laughs> you aren't any pointing any fingers, but we're pointing fingers. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do we got uh, from Seiko today? All right. So what I'm going to talk about quickly here is the Seiko uh, Presage line. And they added a small sub-collection to it. Mm-hmm. And it's the Ricky Watanabe-inspired set of watches. Uh, so Ricky Watanabe um, is a Japanese designer. And he was often called basically the Charles Eames of Japan. Um, he created beautiful furniture from inexpensive materials. Um, so Seiko, I guess, was inspired by his designs and released two watches. Um, it's a simple three-hander with a date, but the dial is enamel. Whoa, okay. Um, so, and it's also a passage line, so it's got a very good movement that goes with it, the 6R35. I think that's the same movement that's on my Marine Master 200, right? I believe so. Okay. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but the cool bit is, it's a, it's a nice dress watch. It's a very simple but very nice dress watch, and it's an enamel dial. And, it, you know, to make an enamel dial especially at this price point that they're offering it, is very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, this, it's releasing in January 2020, and the price is about 1096 bucks, so 1100 And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I really dig this watch. It's a very simple um, case with a... 
with the two different dials, basically one in like a brownish, maroonish red, and the other one's a white dial. And the hour hand actually has got this very unique arrow at the top, a pointer at the top, let's just say. It's it's kind of cartoony almost. I, I don't it's know a to, bit like yeah. uh like a musical note or right. something like that. Right. Yeah, no, I think it's attractive. So correction. So the Marine Master two hundred has a six R fifteen. This is a six R thirty. Gotcha. So this is a slightly different movement. Um yeah, I, I think it's great. I think the presage line does a, quite a bit of work with enamel, so this is kind of within our expectations. I think the case is kind of simple. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? So if I was looking for a very nice dress watch, you know, something I can wear to a nice dinner, gala affair sort of thing, you know, this would be something I would wear. What, when do you ever go to a dinner or gala affair? Who invites you to these uh, things? I certainly don't. I mean, waiting to be invited by one. I'm saying <laughs> if. If. Yeah. I'm usually the first person that shies away from such things. You know, I, I, I think I would take the white dial one. I think it looks pretty cool. I, I actually would take the white dial as well. Um, yeah. But, the, you know, you think about it. They're offering an enamel dial 300 watch with a date uh, for 1000 bucks. I mean, which Swiss brand offers this? No, it's true. It's true. I, you know, dress watches don't, don't really get me too excited. So it's, it's hard for me to really, you know, bring out the fireworks for this. But uh, it's pretty cool. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. This is another miss. You walked into it. I don't know why you bring it for us. <laughs> <laughs> You've been snarky post Christmas. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've I've become a Grinch post Christmas. But no, it's it's yeah. a cool watch. It's a good it's a good value for what you're getting. I think I think it's something yeah. unique. Can't go wrong. You I, I think you get a lot of value, especially something with an enamel dial. I mean, keep in mind, don't drop these watches because the moment it hits a hard surface, you know, you're guaranteed to have a crack in the enamel. Yeah. Yeah. And enamels are actually very hard to manufacture. The rejection rate for enamel dial is actually quite high. So, I mean, I assume they're harvesting teeth for this, right? Enamel? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> that was a joke. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you have enamel in your teeth. Come on, Sanch. Oh, oh, right. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I'm i a bit this, slow today. This one falls it's flat. The, yeah, yeah, this one. <laughs> we might as well call this episode the fall flat episode. Fall flat I'm episode. Trying to talk about exciting watches, I think, and you're like shooting them down. You know, sometimes you're on and sometimes you're off, Sanch. Um, all right, so I've got one here. Okay, so when is this coming out? When are you expecting this? Uh, January of the next year, basically in a few weeks' time. Okay, cool. That's exciting. All right, we'll keep an eye open for it. We'll see how, what it looks like uh, in person. Uh, the next watch is one that's actually released um, at the Wind Up Watch Fair by Warren Wound in New York. Uh, I used to attend this when I lived in New York, so uh, it's pretty cool that uh, this watch fair has now become a venue for watch releases. They're sort of like a mini Basel World, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, and I'm, of course, I'm talking about the Fair Markham World Timer. Uh, fair being a British brand, um, they've been kind of a, uh, a hit amongst the enthusiast circle. And you know they're really trying to do something different here with this world time watch, which um, uses a ETA twenty eight ninety three dash one movement. Uh, and the cool thing is there are rotating discs that are demonstrating the twenty four important or uh, salient time zones, uh, showing the major cities, and it locks into place by each time zone, so there isn't any play. And basically, uh, mark them as a white dial with big blue numerals and an awesome world map on a disc for the time zone adjustments. So you actually adjust the world map in the middle for the time zone that you're traveling to. 
Okay, so I'm just trying to understand how this dial actually is, uh, how it works really, because so you have an inner, basically, disk of the world map, as you mentioned. Yeah. And then you have, uh, you know, uh, 24 hour time, I guess. And how does that relate to what time there actually is? Is there another hand or is it pointing there's, to... There's, there's, a, there's a second hour hand. It's a GMT. A... It's a GMT wall timer. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then you, you, you basically line it up. You line up the watch with the city that you're tracking time for. And then it will it'll jump the hand appropriately. Gotcha. Yeah. So... It's it's a really cool watch, and when you look at the dial itself, right, it's extremely highly detailed. Ferris said that there are forty different processes, separate processes that have to go into place to make that dial. And if you look at the texture on the dial, it looks almost like a golf ball. It does. I was going to mention that it's got like this woven-looking pattern. I wouldn't say it's a golf ball because the golf ball is a very circular dimples. This looks like it's got like a crisscross at a yeah. At okay. A curve. Fair, 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 fair. Yes. It. It. But it, there's definitely a texture to it. Yes. It's a very actually. That's probably my favorite bit of the watch. It's that texture. Yeah. So, uh, three o'clock crown, and then the ten o'clock. There's a second crown to adjust the time zone complication in the watch. Um, I. I think it's really attractive. It's. It's something that I've never seen before in a watch. Um, what do you think? Uh. Not feeling it. Huh? You. You like it, right? So you hate it. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not saying it in the sense that because you like it doesn't mean I like it. I mean, it's nice. I mean, I, I get it, but it's a bit too much. You're such too a much petty shrew. Why, why is it too much? For 1500 why do you need a world map for? For GMT, for travel. Yeah, what? It only shows half the map, first of all. Second of all. If you're looking down from the... So, so for the listeners that can't see it you're looking down on the globe from the north pole is that right yeah sure yeah yeah to me personally i i don't see any purpose in that i mean it's it's nice i really dig the texture on the white tail don't get me wrong but i wouldn't buy this not for you huh interesting and you know like the other thing is the tent so it's got i guess uh a combination of uh indices and numerals for the hours Yes. I don't like the way it's done. You don't like the numerals? Why? Is it the font? No, I actually like the numerals. I don't like the combination of the two. Huh. Okay. If if you're going to do numerals, do it all. I mean, except maybe for the 3 o'clock and, you know, maybe you can balance it with the 9 o'clock. Okay. But uh, I don't know. How dare you do something different, right? How how dare they? How dare they try something different? (laughs) You're the one that is always looking for, you know, if, if someone had a had a watch collection that had all sorts of different dial colors, you would pick the most black one there is. Well, I, I, I picked something really unique here, Sanj, and I, I'm, I'm kind and, of... And uh, I give you credit. I'm saying, like, yeah, you like it. That's great. Good job. But you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the Christopher Ward... Uh, moon phase watch that I brought. Oh, up right. It was yes. Marmite, and you hated that watch. And I, I, I really figure out like why. It. Yeah, I, it's I, a nice watch. Don't get me wrong. I give Christopher Ward credit for 
doing something completely out of the box. It's it's nice, but it's just not my cup of tea. I mean, okay, interesting, interesting. All right, uh, well, that's. I mean, like when when you never leave, how you spend ninety nine point nine nine percent of your time in the Eastern Time Zone. I mean, where are we going to change these time zones? Here? I, I you fly know? to California for work. I I, I fly to Chicago. Chicago and Boston. No, oh, no, shit. They're not. They're one hour difference. Um, yeah, California, Chicago. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are you gonna admit you're wrong, or you're are you gonna adjust the time zones based on that? I mean, it's a different time. I have to. <laughs> I mean, like, no. I mean, this watch doesn't even have it. So, anyways, anyways, I'm just let's let you flail out there. Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> wave my hands in despair. All right, um, so I think that's all we have for watches today, Sash. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's been a I hit or miss this episode. I mean, we covered some good watches. I, I some unique, some are my choices, but I liked it. I mean, you, you find my collection choices marmite, very marmite. I, yeah. Very well, marmite. I mean, don't bring dress watches. You know, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. You know, you should know better. You brought in a quartz watch. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. We're, we're not going to Yeah, that's basically anymore, like a right? tree branch. All right. <laughs> all right. So I uh, think we should no. uh, transition on to streaming gold. Uh, before that, the one thing I forgot to mention to the listeners out there is the uh, the Timex um, collection, the Waterbury collection, was the price. I did not mention that. So, sorry to go back. I know you're you're so excited about that, but um, they're retailed from anywhere from two fifty to two seventy, okay, depending on the color combination. So it's not a bad price. That's fair. Okay, you can find them cheaper elsewhere, but I know you. You're not going to buy it or look at it. It's yeah. That's that's. <laughs> Thanks for filling that in. <laughs> uh, let's agree that we like the Christopher Ward collection and the Damasco. Basically, two watches. Okay, that's fair. Two out of six, something like that. That's still a good batting average. That's pretty good. All right, so streaming gold. Um, I'll kick off. Sounds good. All right, so uh, my first thing for streaming gold is actually a podcast episode. Um titled How the AK-74 Became a Fashion Statement. Uh, and it's an interview with a, uh, basically an online researcher. He's got a Twitter account. His name, he goes by Caliber Obscura. And basically what he does is uh, watch uh, combat videos and pictures from um, conflict zones that are currently, you know, things that are hot like Syria, you know, Nigeria, uh, where there's uh, Afghanistan. Uh, and he does research on the weapons used in those pictures and videos. So he will try to go back and find out, hey, where where did they get access to X or what, you know, what is that funky thing that guy is holding? Um, and it's a it's a really fascinating story. And there's two snippets that I you know just to kind of give you a taste of what this interview is about. Um, if you look at uh, Syrian combat videos, you will often see uh, for a sidearm the Luger being used. And if, if you know anything about the Luger uh, from World War II or World War One, this is the, basically the, the sidearm that was used uh, by Germany in both world wars. So what the hell, what the heck is it doing in Syria? And he basically did the research to say, hey, you know, these Lugers that were actually finding their way into Syria, they, they were actually produced by Imperial Germany uh, before World War II, uh, used in World War One, World War II. Then when Germany fell to the Soviet Union, the Soviets took these weapons. And then in the 60s, they sold these Lugers to uh, the government of Syria, uh, basically for like nothing. These are like surplus weapons that were just lying around. The Soviets weren't using it. They said, okay, here, you can use them. And now, you know, some 
almost 100 years later, these weapons are still being used in, in combat, which I think is wow, okay. insane. Like, yeah. Think of the, the hands that it's gone from. Imperial Germany, uh, Nazi Germany, Soviet Union, government of Syria, and you know who knows who's using it in Syria right now. That yeah. is, you know, for one piece of equipment, that's 100 years of use. It's uh, pretty crazy. And uh, Basically, was... the B-52 bombers of, of uh... sidearms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the interesting, another interesting snippet is he mentioned um, basically the title of the episode, you know, the AKS-74U. And, um, you know, for people that don't know what that is, it's a really micro version of the AK-74. It's basically like a submachine gun version. And if, if you remember the, the old interviews uh, in the 90s with Osama bin Laden, or if you looked at pictures of uh, the guy who was heading ISIS, I don't know, the guy that got bitten by the dog or something. What's his name? Sash? ISIS guy. I, uh, I Baghdadi. Baghdadi. So Baghdadi yes. had the same weapon as well. And uh, the question is, why do these guys like these tiny AKs? You know, they're not very practical. They don't have good range and not, not really much of a punch. So why, why pick that weapon? And he was talking about how in Afghanistan in the 80s, uh, if you had one of those AKS-74Us, uh, only the Soviet helicopter crews would carry that weapon. So it basically meant you shot down a Soviet helicopter. So that's why it became a badge of honor to carry the AKS-74U. So uh, really interesting snippet on the history and kind of like where these guys get access to this equipment and like how, you know, along the years, how it ended up there. So definitely check it out. Um, the, uh, there's a link in the, in the, in the notes uh, to listen to the episode. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, that's a... You obviously know more about such topics than I do when it comes to, I guess, um, weapons in general. Um, so don't make me fast. sound sketchy. I'm, I'm a history nerd. Okay, I don't want the F. Yeah, no, no, that's where I'm coming from. Like you know, like things <laughs> historical. You're basically the what was it the Janes back in the day they called it? Yes, the Janes Encyclopedia. Yes. That's that's you right there. You're a walking <laughs> Janes Encyclopedia, uh, yeah. which is not uh, like a, anything derogatory. It's actually very complimentary. It was like you always tell me something new about a certain uh, system or, you know, military aircraft or anything like that, you know, and the history Sanch. behind it. Well, you know, we, we do what we can. What do you, what do you got, Sam? Something on Amazon? Yeah, I'm actually haven't finished watching it. I only came across it just very recently, but it's the biography of Neil Armstrong called Neil, Ar- called Armstrong. And it's available on Amazon prime to those who have it. And, um, Again, it's, it's it just talks about the history of Neil Armstrong from where he was born in Ohio to being the greatest explorer of modern times. Um, and uh, the cool thing is uh, the words of Armstrong are narrated by Harrison Ford, who is Ooh, your other hero. Best actor ever. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, um, definitely give it a watch. It's free, available. And uh, it's so far what I've seen, it's, it's very entertaining. Right. You know, yeah. if you were into NASA, you know, being a space nerd or, you know, just want to know about Neil Armstrong, it's it's worth the show. Awesome. All right. Well, I will definitely check that out. And actually going on to closing notes, my closing note actually is tied on to Project Apollo. It's the Apollo 12 story. BBC did a um, BBC Future did an article special on the 50th anniversary of Apollo 12, which was obviously the second mission to the moon, successful mission to the moon. Um, it, it was a textbook landing. It was basically uh, no issues except at launch. 
um, the Saturn V at launch was struck by lightning and there was a temporary um, electrical failure in the command module. And basically they were seconds away from uh, aborting the mission. And a, um, I, I, the commander of the mission was re talking to launch control and being like, hey, you know, I've, I've got an electrical failure, what do I do? A young engineer kind of uh, spoke out from the back and said, you know, recommended switching SCE to AUX, basically one forgotten switch at the whole control panel in the, in the bottom right. And that control switch was all that had to be done to save the mission. So um, after that uh, hiccup, basically Apollo 12 had a perfect mission. They, they were navigated perfectly to their target on the moon. They had a textbook landing and they were recovered with no issues. So uh, it's a great story. Definitely check it out. Uh, we'll put notes in the article, in the uh, yeah, so notes. Yeah. Yeah, so Leah, yeah, SCE stands for Signal Conditioning Equipment, which was the system that processed sensor data from transmission to the ground. So, yeah, it was literally one switch. I don't think even the astronauts were fully aware. I think only one of them kind of remembered where it was. Yeah, or I, was I, little... I think he, he had to be reminded on where to actually flip that switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's so obscure. Like, none of them have used it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah, definitely, definitely do check out that uh, right up there. It's worth it. And I think the next, the last closing note we had for today is Ford versus Ferrari. And Sanch, have you seen this movie yet? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed <laughs> for you. I, I really am embarrassed for you. This is not looking good on my side. Not is looking it? good at all. Yeah. No. Oh, you saw boy. Star Wars, though, right? I did. I did. What a Boy Scout. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So I've okay. Got... To be fair, no one wants to watch Ford versus Ferrari. Oh no! With me here, to. I have to go solo. Okay, that's that's fine. I've I've gone to the movie solo, and I, I've come. I've enjoyed the movie, and I've come home and cried because I had no one to watch it with. But I still watched the movie. That's that's cute. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I do know the story of Ford and Ferrari of the. So months. okay, so going to tie in with that movie. Um, I've got three articles here. Uh, the first one was basically the secrets behind the cars and the crashes. A lot of the effects were practical. Uh, they, in fact, even threw a Ferrari uh, frame into the air to simulate one of the real crashes that took place. And it's a great article by Boston.com on how they actually accomplished that, where they sourced the vintage cars for the races. Um, it's really cool. I would uh, definitely check that out. Uh, second article was by Jalopnik on a brief biography on Ken Miles, who is the driver that actually won. Um, I think everyone recognizes that he, he won Le Mans 66 and uh, he's played. Well, game. hang on. Let, let's stop there. He did not win 66. I don't know. I said everyone recognizes he won, won Le Mans 66. I know technically is Bruce McLaren and his car because of the controversy about who started first. And yeah, but everyone gives Ken Miles credit, right? Yeah. He was the one who developed the car, you know? Yeah, and also in the race, he was like two laps ahead of everybody else, so he was yeah. to slow down. So yeah, it was the there right was a lot line. of controversy on, on on that aspect. Yes, so the I movie agree. definitely deals with that controversy. And look, like I said, nobody thinks that he did not win that race, okay? Because everyone knows that he was told to slow down. So credit to Ken Miles. Uh, yeah. So Jalopnik had had a great. Um, little write-up on who he was, kind of his background. Um, Christian Bale plays him to a, you know, a T really, really, really well. Um, it, it's the heart and soul of that story. I, I, I think it's fantastic. So, like I said, best movie of the year for me. Uh, you got to watch it. And the third article I had was actually an article by Monochrome Watches, and I actually 
tweeted at them. So I, I'm trying to get some credit here for this. Because <laughs> I asked them to write an article. Uh, I, asked, I tweeted Hodinky too, but they're, you know, they're busy doing another LE, I'm sure. Uh, but <laughs> I, I asked them to write an article on the watches uh, that the drivers used in the movie. So they covered uh, the watches that Shelby and Miles wore in the movie, which, which is great. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, I, from memory, I think it was Shelby that had the Hoyer or Miles that had the Hoyer, um, or both of them were wearing Hoyer. But uh, it's a great article. Um, it's definitely worth uh, checking it out. I think Shelby was wearing the Carrera, actually. Yeah. yeah, this was when Hoyer really got involved with motorsports. You know, I think Jack Hoyer decided to go venture into that arena, let's just say. And, you know, he, he had huge partnerships with uh, many racing drivers, especially, you know, including, you know, the Ferrari drivers back in the day. Um, so... Yeah, so I, I think Shelby in the movie is wearing a Hoyer Carrera reference 7753, which is actually wasn't out in time for the race, but whatever. You know, it, 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 it fits the character more than being a fashion. I think uh, people go there to, 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 you know, people go to the theater to watch, you know, the, the race and not point out mistakes of what watches they're wearing, you know. I'm, I'm very let down by you and upset by your comments. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that's that's all we had for today. Um, if you haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari, I'd highly recommend it. Um, you had anything else, Ange? Yeah, nothing on my side, apart from the fact that I've let you down by not watching this movie. I've been really wanting to watch it. But... Okay. I, yeah, I, I just think that more people should watch it because it'll tell Hollywood to make more movies on racing and real people and not a stupid sequel to some BS. So. Uh, I, I think you're referring very specifically to a movie that came out just recently uh, and it's based off a trilogy that you are not a fan of. I know um, where this is going. We're talking Disney Star Wars, obviously. And yes, I am referring to that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down this rabbit hole because it's this not, podcast not good, would no last... Look good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this well, this podcast will last nine hours if this yeah, just <laughs> well all right well i think that's all we have for today thank you for joining us for another episode of the land jam podcast yeah thank you and i guess this is the last one for the year um so to listeners out there thank you very much for uh giving Supporting us, a us and listening yeah. and uh it's been a, it's been a really big year for the podcast and uh we appreciate um everyone who's uh, given us a shout out and uh kind of referred us to friends it, it definitely helps and you know we, we do it as a passion of love so it, it's nice to kind of you may not touch. hear it in this episode of the podcast between us two but in the real in reality we actually do love each other and <laughs> I mean, way of podcast yeah yeah we love the podcast we do it for the podcast not for each other <laughs> right. i think we're getting a little too mushy here but yeah thank <laughs> you and uh we'll see you in 2020 yeah and uh happy every happy new year Thank you.